Hello and welcome to The Fierce Life with your host, that's me, Conceita Thomas. And in today's episode, we're doing another tangent topic, guys. We are talking about how sometimes this weight loss thing is complicated. And so we're going to talk about how race and gender impact weight loss. And I couldn't think of any better person to bring on for this conversation than my friend Chrissy King. So go ahead. Um, I don't think this is going to be a pen and paper type episode. This might be a get a cup of coffee, cup of tea, cup of water, whatever you put in your cup, get one of those, pull up, turn the volume up and let's chat about it. So go ahead and jam out to the show tunes and I will meet you on the other side of the music. Welcome to The Fierce Life, presented by Conceda Thomas. This podcast is designed to give you the food and fitness strategies, tools, and inspiration that you need to create sustainable results without making the process a second job. You will save the mental and emotional energy that's normally drained by this process and instead use that energy to live your most fierce life. Welcome back. This is episode 86, and I'm here with Chrissy King. Hey, Chrissy. Hi. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I'm excited to have you on to chat, too. So, guys, we're jumping into this, um, and we're talking about weight loss, but we are looking at it from a totally different perspective this time. We're going to dive deep into how race and how gender and all those things, how that affects weight loss. So today I've got Chrissy King here with me. I think I've said that already. Chrissy, can you please tell my fierce friends who you are and what you do? Yes. So um, I am Milwaukee-based right now, and I am a strength and nutrition coach. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a self-proclaimed truth seller. um, And I have a passion for talking about diversity and inclusion and the need for more of that in fitness and wellness industries. Um, So I'm excited to chat about all the interesting things today. Yay! Yay! Okay, so when I first discovered Chrissy, or when we first met out here in these wild internet streets, um, at that point you were doing mostly um, coaching, powerlifting, had not yet um, stepped into your work that you do now, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. So can you like give my fierce friends like a little bit of background, like where you've been in terms of fitness and like how you even came to do this type of work that you do now? Yes, absolutely. So yes, for sure. Um, when I first started doing um, more online, taking my, my fitness practice online, I was really only talking about strength. Um, I am a powerlifter. I still love strength. I, it's a big part of my work still. Um, and so I, again, as a black woman in a industry that's not very diverse, I think that I first got into the online space and I was really cautious about what I was talking about um, because I didn't want to like have this narrative of like angry black women, all those things. I was just really cautious about what I was talking about. So I just stuck to like fitness related topics. Um, but then the interesting thing was like, I noticed I was having like this like internal battle because like outside of like the internet, I was having all these other conversations that are very nuanced conversations. And I wasn't talking about any of those things online mainly because I was worried about what other people were going to think or say. Um, And so I just had this point where I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, this is who I am. And so I'm going to show up online, just like I show up offline. I'm going to talk about all those things. And I realized also that, like, I think it was really important to be talking about 
um, like why we need to have more diversity in fitness. Uh, like a lot of the conversations we're going to have to talk about today, because race does affect so many things in regards to our health. Um, and so to not acknowledge those things for me just didn't work anymore. Um, and so I finally was just like, yeah, so I'm going to do, I'm going to start talking about all the things that I want to talk about. Um, and so I started writing about them a lot. And, um, like the first time I wrote about it, I was really, really scared. And I think it was an article, um, entitled is fitness only for thin white women. And I was so scared to post that blog post. Um, but then I did it and what was great is that people were like, oh man, thank you for writing this. Like I've been thinking about this for a long time and all these things. And so I realized there was like a need need and a desire that people wanted to have these more of these conversations. Um, and so I just started doing it more and it just became more and more a part of my work. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And I think you touched on something too, because, you know, <laughs> I think there's kind of like this rule of three, um, especially online, like things you only talk about usually with really, really close friends, right? Religion, politics, race, and for some people, money too, right? But I feel like with the age of social media and like, you know, social media business coaches and stuff like that, people are a lot more comfortable talking about their money. But still, for the most part, race, religion, politics, it's off limits, unless this is someone who's in your really, really like your close social circle. But like you said, it, you know, who we are on every level affects our experiences and our outcomes on every level. So it does make sense to include certain conversations. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So for you in your personal experience, Chrissy, like what, what were, can you recall any, I don't even want to call them challenges, but like, can we just call them differences? Like, what did you notice when you first got into fitness, when you got into powerlifting, any of that, like what did you notice was different for you about your experience as a black woman that maybe other people may have been completely oblivious to? Yeah. So I think, I think one of the, or one of the things always for me is just like uh, various levels of like microaggressions, right? That, um, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, because, and again, I think a lot of that results from maybe people being just curious, mm -hmm. um, but the ways in which that curiosity actually plays out sometimes <laughs> is not always acceptable in my opinion. So, um, I know for sure, like one of my first powerlifting meets, like powerlifting for, for women anyways, has grown substantially over the last few years. But so my first meet, to be honest, was probably like only nine women competing total, not just black women, like nine women. I'm definitely the only woman of color competing. And now it's grown a lot as a sport for women. Um, so some of that has probably changed, but I definitely, um, I remember my first meet, like being, I think I was the only person of color in the entire meet. Um, and I literally felt like, uh, I don't know. I felt like, like all eyes were on me, like, all, like walking into the room and just like, you know, like that moment where it's like silence in a movie and like everybody. <laughs> yes. Like, um, okay. This is different. Um, and so it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. And I trained at a gym. I started training later at a different powerlifting gym, which I did really like, but again, just like the level of things that happened, um, all the time where I would be like frustrated by. And a lot of times I didn't say anything. Right. Cause I think it, like the other thing I think people always have to remember that if you're like a marginalized person in a in an environment where you're like one of the only people there, it is not always easy to have these conversations and be like, okay, what you just said made me really uncomfortable. Um, so there's always like these comments. Like I remember all the time people at the gym would be like, oh, you don't even sound like a black person. <laughs> I'm like, um, okay. Or a lot of um, people like touching my hair unsolicited, right? Which maybe you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. But 
if someone you don't know is like walking up to your body and touching it, like because they're curious, that's actually a problem um, and it's uncomfortable. And so I think there were just a lot of things. And I think in the online space, what I noticed um, was that there was just like, I know black women were working out because I knew them. I knew people in my life that were working out. Um, but it just seemed like a lot of um, fitness companies and definitely like conferences, like the panels or the people would be like all white, right? Like, and a lot um, a lot of men, particularly in fitness too, a lot of representation of men, um, more so than women, um, which is very gendered way to talk about it anyways, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother issue. But anyways, um, so just recognizing that it just seemed like it was very one-sided and that fit, the, like the, the face of fitness were like thin, um, younger women for sure. Like you definitely didn't see a lot of older women being represented, definitely thin and one body size. Um, and a lot of cisgender individuals were the face of fitness. Um, and I think that's just really problematic because fitness is for everybody, right? Like there are so many benefits to working out that span far beyond, like, yes, weight loss is one benefit, but there's so many other parts of that, right? That are so far beyond that. Um, and so I really think that every single body can benefit from being in the fitness space in some way, shape or form, whatever form of activity they enjoy, but it needs to feel welcoming for all different kinds of people. And I think that's the kind of part that we're missing sometimes. So I'm curious, so like, how did, like, how did you move beyond that? Because definitely a lot of, um, a lot of what you say resonates. I think it's something that I got used to at a very young age because I went to a lot of majority schools, right? Like preps, uh, prep school for high school and, you know, like an Ivy League college. So clearly, you know, majority spaces, right? But in the fitness arena too, like, I think as people of color, unfortunately, or for whatever, for, what, for whatever you want to call it, it's a reality that a lot of times in our educational spaces or in our workspaces, we're used to being like one of few, if, if that at all. But then we get to this thing of like personal care, right? Because if we really get down to it, like fitness, eating well, like showing up at the gym, this is really a matter of not only being able to survive, but to be able to thrive in everyday life. And so now you're dealing with that otherness in that space too. So how did you personally move through that and continue to go from someone who was just on a like get healthy, get fit journey to now powerlifting to now coaching and, and addressing like the diversity issue? Like how did you, how did you move through that? What tips can you give us for maybe listeners who feel like you felt and that's why they're not at the gym or the Pilates studio? Yeah, so I think um, I resonated with a lot of what you said as well. I went to like private schools um, and then I went to a private college, uh, a private Jesuit college. So I, I did have that same like background and being like the one of the only, if not the only. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I was kind of used to it. I think if I didn't have that background, I think it would have been even harder. Mm -hmm. um, because at least I, I was familiar with those feelings. It wasn't like a brand new phenomenon for me. Um, but I think what, what kept me going is for one, I, besides, because yes, there was like a, I noticed a diverse issue, but also like I was benefiting a lot from strength training. Mm -hmm. And so like the process of like feeling my body get stronger and that transformed into like, um, like basically all areas of my life. I feel like that, that that strength transferred to every area of my life. So I was getting a lot of benefit from it. So that's one thing. And I think too, like I always, and, and I think the reason that I moved more into doing more work and talking about this is because I think that 
it's easy to recognize a problem and like it is what it is. Um, but I think we always have an opportunity to like help create change in that regard, right? Um, and so I do not in any way, shape or form envision that I'm going to single-handedly change the face of fitness, right? <laughs> That's just not gonna happen. <laughs> Um, but I think we can all, no matter what we're, whatever the issue is, we can always create change by talking to people around us about these things, right? Whether it be about the lack of diversity and fitness or whether it be about anything else, we always can create change in our lives. And so I think that whether you're going to do it on a level where you're like talking about it publicly like I am, or if you're just talking to your friends and family about it, like there's the opportunity to like do something. And I think I always try to remind myself every time I get upset about something or every time something's frustrating me is what can I do, right? And maybe that one action is not going to be world changing. Like I recognize that most of the time it's not world changing, but maybe it's something that can help move the needle in the right direction. And so I think when you are in any situation and you feel like something is missing from the space, then you can decide to create that. Or if you're not the right person to create that, like, for example, like if you were a, a, like, maybe you're a white person and you realize that there's a lack of diversity in the space, like, so you probably can't be the representative for diversity, right? <laughs> but, but if you're in the position where you can like lift up other marginalized voices, then that can be your, the way that you help the, the, the cause or the issue, whatever it is. So I think we all can take some actions in our lives to help make things, whatever spaces they are, better and more inclusive for people. And now we break forward from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the Get It Off, Keep It Off coaching program. This six-week experience is set up to give you the results that you really want while helping you cultivate the habits that will keep the results coming long after the program is over. If you are ready to learn what it takes to create lasting results with a process that actually feels good, go ahead and take our crash course in figure-friendly eating. You can get access to that inside of our free online community, and you'll also be among the first to know when the next cycle of Get It Off, Keep It Off opens. All you have to do is head over to conceitathomas.com slash achieve lasting weight loss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I happen to know, because I read your stuff, mm -hmm. that in the beginning of your journey, right, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, in the beginning of your journey, like, it started off like, get healthy, you lost weight, you, then you started lifting, and then you just like, beast mode, like, right, <laughs> strong girl, right, like, boom, <laughs> let's put this on steroids, not literally, folks, um, <laughs> let's put this on steroids and see what it does, right, so, but when you're first stepping into that space, because I really want us to kind of like serve the person who maybe does not yet feel as empowered as we do to just like show up and just be, right, like, even food advice, let's talk about that. Like, how did you navigate what's considered normal healthy eating? Because I know when I first started learning about healthy eating, and I've shared on in episode one, you know, when I was gaining weight in college, it wasn't because I grew up, you know, poor. Or it wasn't because I grew up with my mom feeding me burgers and fries. It's because when I went to this institution, I did not recognize the food that was being served in the cafeteria. It was healthy food. They won um what do you call it culinary awards i couldn't understand why back then <laughs> so like but now that i eat that stuff too i do get it so like how did you even navigate like that part yeah i think that's a really uh, great point that you brought up because 
One of the things I think that we could do better on in, in like the fitness industry is like giving food advice and counseling that's more culturally comprehensive. And I think that's what you're speaking to. Like, um, like one of the things we brought up on the call is like quinoa, like, right? Like I, I never heard of quinoa growing up. We did not serve that in our house for dinner, right? Like that no. was <laughs> that we ate in my black household anyways. And again, I'm not speaking for all black households. I'm speaking for mine. I didn't even know what that was. Um, and so I think like, I think we have, to, we're giving people advice about nutrition and like, I don't know, I see a lot of people are like the healthy ways to eat, right? Are very much um, through a mainstream. And when I say mainstream, I'm actually talking about just uh, like mainstream America, meaning like it doesn't take into advice other cultures or backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So for example, if like you're coaching someone and you're not you, but like a person, is coaching someone they're like you should never eat rice because like that is just not good for you what, <laughs> right. right like if if it was for example an asian person you're coaching rice might be a staple in their diet and now you're like no don't eat that that's bad um and same thing like i don't know i like soul food right like i grew up having like we talked about sunday dinners and having soul food and, and if you tell someone like never eat um like uh, carbs or something like never eat noodles or pasta because like that you that you're gonna that's not good for you um and you do all these like you make all these things with people that like this is how they grew up or like this is what they're used to eating um then people are just like well i can't do that right like if you're right. telling me to go from eating like what i'm normally eating till now you're giving me like just eat like some boiled chicken and some broccoli for example that's a no right <laughs> that's not gonna that's work long no. that's a strong no <laughs> Um, so I think that we do, and then also like, I think that we sometimes miss in like the nutrition and fitness world is that like food is a cultural experience. Yes. Right. Like it's more than just like, we can say like food is fuel. Okay. That's true. But also, also, <laughs> also food is a cultural experience and like we create memories around food. We create experiences around food. Um, and so a lot of times I also see advice that were like, you know, don't make the holidays just about the food. And I do think there's like some relevancy to that. Of course, that's true. But also the holiday is about food. Like that's part of the experience. Right. Right? And so I think that we have to give people advice that it's first off, like, I think when you're trying to like help someone with the nutrition, like, I think the worst thing we can do is like, we're going to overhaul everything at one time, right? Like mm -hmm. that's not a good way to start because people can't accept that. They can't do, and even if you can like stick to some really strict regimen for two weeks, then what happens at, like after that? Like you just go, most people anyway. So, like, <laughs> yeah, right? so I think it's really important to like give advice to people that is in bits and pieces that they, like what are two habits that you can work on this week um, so that you don't feel like you're giving up who you are or like your culture to, because that's the only way you can be healthy because that's also just not true. Right. 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 And I think the other thing too, that we don't do a good job is recognizing. And again, this has a lot to do with um, like your background and that a lot of us do have a lot of privilege in our lives, but sometimes we don't like acknowledge that people live in food deserts, right? That their options, like they may not have a grocery store in their neighborhood um, that they can get like regular fresh, and, and definitely when we start talking about like organic produce that like that might not be an option for them where they live. And we just really have to, or like, you know, people, I see a lot of people like go to your local farmer's market. Maybe they don't have a local farmer's market. <laughs> right. um, so giving people advice that meets them where they are. And again, I just think that so much of like the fitness industry is steeped in privilege that we don't like really step back and realize that 
like the fact that we can shop organic and go to like expensive yoga and Pilates classes and wear Lulu is a privilege, right? right. And that, that is not a requirement to be in good shape. It's not a requirement to be healthy. It's not a requirement to be fit. And so we just have to step back sometimes and meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so, so true. So what, okay. Yes. Yes, had to absorb that for a minute. But yes, I agree. And then like, what can you do? So like, if you're on the other side of this, right? So you are a client, right? You're not a coach and you are seeking out help. You've decided that you want to get healthy. You want to, whether it's get strong, lose weight, whatever it is. And the advice doesn't, like, it's a no-go. It's a strong no. Like, what are some ways that we could, as clients or as people receiving advice, like bring that to the forefront. Yes. I think if you're hiring a coach, I think it's really important. Like communication is a big piece, right? So I am really open with all of my clients. Like if something I'm saying doesn't sit right with you, or if you don't think this is working for you, like you should let me know and we'll figure out a way that does work for you. And if you're working with a coach, cause I I've had this experience. I had a coach once who was just like, no, it's this way or it's no way. Then you should fire your yes. You should fire yes. a coach, right? Because they, as a coach, I'm there to serve my client. So it is not me telling you, like, this is how you need to do things. It's like mm-hmm. we're working collaboratively. And if something's not working for you and my only response is this is the way it has to be, find a new coach. Mm-hmm. And also, even before you hire a coach, um, I don't know. I think, like, social media can be really tricky sometimes because I think that sometimes people are drawn to people they see that, like, have like the six pack abs or have like what they consider like a quote unquote perfect body. And I think that you like, that can't be your only indicator of who you're going to hire as a coach because mm-hmm. for one, I have to remember that like so much of social media is like not real anyways, but that that's a whole nother conversation. Right. right. The, the thing that I want to be looking for in the coach is like the things that they talk about online, like do they line up for my personal values? Right. Like, are they mm-hmm. talking about, are they talking about like their strict diet all the time? Then, then most likely we are definitely not on the same line of, of thinking and values. And I, I mean, I encourage people to, because again, fitness, weight loss and, and whatever is one part of the equation, but then there's other things that we can, that, that maybe may be important to you. So I'll make a list of the things that are important for you and a coach. Um, maybe like top five things that you would like to see in a coach and then find someone who exhibits those values through what they're doing in their work. Mm-hmm. Um, I just caution people not to just choose someone because they posted a really great before and after picture of a client, um, because that doesn't mean that they're going to be the best coach for you necessarily. Yes. I think you're right about that too. Let's talk a little bit too, um, Chrissy, because you do, you talk a lot about diversity and like racial inclusivity in the fitness and wellness arena, but you do talk a lot also about female empowerment and about as women kind of like, you know, taking up space, both physically if we want to, but just um, figuratively as well, just um, showing up and I don't say demanding because it's really not that, but showing up for ourselves so that we get what we need. Like, what would you say to that piece? I know as a coach, one of the things that I notice, so you know, my clientele is mostly for weight loss, right? So lasting weight loss. And one of the things that I notice is that, um, generally speaking, we are not showing up for ourselves with near the consistency and intensity 
that we show up for everyone else with. Like I have literally met women whose husbands are in amazing shape because they get to the gym every morning. And then that person is like home with the kids, running the errands, running the whole after school thing and like struggling with borderline lifestyle diseases. And the doctor is literally saying you need to do something. Your shirt is a little elevated, blood pressure a little elevated. Like everything that says like time bomb, just ticking is a little bit elevated. And we struggle sometimes to show up for ourselves. Like, what do you think that's about and how do we move forward in that? Yes. Um, So I wrote an article a while back um, and it's called self-care is an act of survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I do think women struggle with self-care within feeling guilty about taking time to prioritize themselves. Um, And I think even sometimes like when we talk about self-care in general, that it's like framed around like take care of yourself so you can take better care of your children or your oh, right. <laughs> take care of yourself. It is not with the purpose of serving anyone else. And so I do think it's hard for a lot of women. And I think that, um, I think a lot of women feel like a responsibility, like, and obviously I'm, I don't have children, but obviously children are a huge responsibility, but you are just as important as taking care of your kids. It's just as important. So I think, um, I think for some women, there's a lot of guilt and shame around taking the time that they need for themselves. And I think it's just a natural um, habit to put everyone else before yourself. Um, and so I think I challenge women to, to yeah, prioritize yourself, whatever that means. If that means taking time to go to the gym, if that means taking time to do whatever it is that you feel nourished and cared for, you 100% need to do that. Um, and I think that it does go into the idea of like taking up space, like, like physically or, or, or figuratively and that, um, like you're worth that. You deserve that. Mm-hmm. Um, you 100% deserve that time for yourself. You deserve to prioritize yourself. You deserve to take care of yourself. Um, and, and you, and it may feel difficult, but like in the example you were talking about with like clients who's like husbands are taking the time to go to the gym. They're doing all the things and they're on the home front taking care of all that stuff. Like that's a conversation that you have to have, right? About what your needs are. And there has to be some compromise because again, like you deserve to have that time. You deserve to take care of yourself. Um, And even outside of that arena, like I think even when it comes to like being in the workplace or being in corporate America, like taking up space for yourself and though it's, and and, like you deserve a seat at the table just as much as anybody else does. Um, And I think that, it is a lot of difficult for women. And I think it's because like society teaches us to shrink ourselves. Like I think like from the beginning when we're young kids, like we are taught to like, you know, be quiet, do, you know, be ladylike, whatever that means, right? Ladylike, be quiet, all those things. And it's like, no, actually like that's not, I'm not here to shrink. I'm here to do all the things that I want to do. Um, and I, I just saw this book the other day, which I was like, why is this even a book? And it was something to the effect of like how women can be better leaders um, and like not offend men or something to that effect. And I'm like, oh again, my God, are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe, like, the, like, I don't think we need a book on that. Like if men are intimidated by women being strong leaders, then I think that they need a book about how to like not be a because it's not their that's not our issue to bear that's their issue oh my god i think you see it pervasively throughout society um and it's a hard habit to break because i think we've just been doing it for so long but i think it just starts by awareness and like realize the ways in which you're you're maybe shrinking yourself in your everyday life and again just pick one thing like one thing that i'm going to do this week when i notice i for example i I do with a lot of my clients 
is like women, and it's not just women, a lot of people, like other people do it too, but I notice a lot of women, we apologize for everything, right? Like anything. Like uh, someone runs you, oh, I'm sorry. Like, why are you apologizing? I ran into you, you know? <laughs> and someone catching yourself, even like when you're about to apologize for something that does not need an apology, like just catch yourself and don't say, I'm sorry. So just don't do it. Um, so I think you can do small things to like just get you in the habit of like, taking up space in your life and not feeling like you are apologetic for existing right right because sometimes that is what it comes down to right and it's funny that you say that because i was shopping for books last night in the store and i was totally taking up all the space trying to decide and this woman ran into me taking up all the space and apologized she said oh i'm so sorry and i was thinking to myself well actually I'm the one that's taking up too much space you know but you're right and I'm not making fun of her because like I've done it too and that was something that took unlearning but yeah you're right so mm -hmm. got it cool so what like if you had to leave us with parting words because I think we have this is like a deep conversation that can go on forever and ever and probably would be even really good those of you that are in the free support group, the Fierce Friends support group, we can continue this conversation as we do all the others after the podcast. I'd love to know what questions you have because I feel like this is the kind of stuff that we can all know intellectually, right? Like we, we can all know these things intellectually, but then when it comes time to actually put it into practice in real life, Sometimes we like we draw a blank or it feels overwhelming. So we do nothing. We just do like what we've always done because we don't know what to do, you know? So, um, yeah, I think this was a good start to this conversation. Do you have like any closing words that, you know, if we remember nothing else. Remember this. Um, I think, well, I will say that everything you just said is very, very true. And I get this, you know, we just really touched the very, like the surface of the conversation because it is a very nuanced conversation and there is always so much to learn. And so I always tell people too, when I'm talking about this, it's like, I'm still learning every day. Like, this is not a, like now, like I'm the expert on this. Actually, no, I'm far, far from that. So I, I just encourage people um, to one, not be overwhelmed. Cause I think sometimes people are overwhelmed. Like I just can't talk about it because it's just like too overwhelming. Right. And just recognize that like, you can just learn a little something new every day and, but it's important to show up to the conversation. Um, and also that like difficult and messy conversations are still necessary conversations, um, regardless of what they're around. Like we have to be able to show up for those things because that's also where we grow. That's where we learn. That's where we like elevate as people. And so like, I always encourage people to show up for the conversations that are hard and show up for all the areas in our life that are, are hard, right? Like the discomfort, is okay and also like the the sooner that we can get like comfortable with the feeling of like i'm just this is going to be uncomfortable whether it's weight loss right whether it's like in your job whether it's in relation navigating relationships like be lean into that discomfort because that's where like all the important growth happens yes yes all right awesome that was a great way to wrap it up and christy if um if my fierce friends want to connect with you outside of this episode where can they find you online yeah so i'm most active on instagram um on instagram it's just i am chrissy king and then my website is chrissyking.com and that's where you will find me the most awesome well fierce friends you know we always say over here on the fierce life that after you learn something you have got to do something 
So my fierce follow-up for you today, should you choose to accept, it's always a choice, is to think about it and discover, write it down, one area in your life where you find yourself shrinking, where you don't need to be shrinking, that you are dedicated to taking up more space. And then if it's not written, it's not real. So share it with us over in the Fierce Friends Facebook group. If you're not in that group, you can get there by going to conceivethomas.com slash become a fierce friend. If you enjoyed this episode, that means somebody else you know will too. So don't forget to share it out on social media or you can always just copy, um, paste the URL into a text to send it over. And then whichever podcast platform you're listening to this episode on, don't forget to subscribe so that you will be notified when the next episode airs. That's all I have for you today, Fierce Friends. Until next time, stay fierce. You're ready to master your motivation, keep your head in the game, and get the results that you deserve. And I have just the thing to help you boost your mood and wrap yourself in motivation every single day. Visit the Conceda Thomas Apparel Shop today to get your motivational tanks, tees, and mugs. Be sure to use the promo code FIERCEFRIEND for a discount on your first order of $25 or more. You can visit the shop at ConcedaThomas.com slash apparel. Are you sick and tired of starting over when it comes to your healthy eating? Have all your failed attempts got you wondering why you can't seem to stick to anything long enough to get results and definitely not to keep results? Listen, it's not you. It's the diet. Giving up your favorite dishes just to lose weight doesn't last. And force feeding yourself food that isn't even culturally familiar just because some guru said it would help you get results is a setup for failure. When you are ready to get real results eating the foods that you already love, it's time to schedule your eating audit. Let me help you discover the tiny tweaks you need to make to get results from the foods you already eat every day. No more diets, no more falling off the wagon, just real lasting results with food you're actually going to be happy to eat after you reach your goal. Schedule your eating audit today at conceitathomas.com audit. Hurry up, our introductory promo rate won't last forever, so schedule your audit now. If you've been wishing for fitness wear that was so comfortable that you would never want to take it off, yet fashionable enough to actually wear out for a night on the town, then you've got to check out my friends and sponsor Blessed Bodywear. Guys, they've got the goods. Once you try their squat pants, no other pants will do. I promise you, they're my absolute favorite. Visit blessedbodywear.com today and use promo code NOFUSS, N-O-F-U-S-S, to save on your order. 